Would you mind standing with me in honor of God's word? We are in a series called After God's Heart. We are in 1 Samuel chapter 13, and we're going to do verses 8 through 14. He, speaking of Saul, waited seven days, the time set by Samuel, but Samuel did not come to Gilgal. And Saul's men began to scatter. So he said, bring me the burnt offering and the fellowship offerings. And Saul offered up the burnt offering. Just as he finished making the offering, Samuel arrived and Saul went out to greet him. What have you done? asked Samuel. Saul replied, when I saw that the men were scattering and that you did not come at the set time and that the Philistines were assembling at Michmash, I thought, now the Philistines will come down against me at Gilgal and I've not sought the Lord's favor. So I felt compelled to offer the burnt offering. You have done a foolish thing, Samuel said. You have not kept the command the Lord your God gave you. If you had, he would have established your kingdom over Israel for all time. But now your kingdom will not endure the Lord has sought out a man after his own heart and appointed him ruler of his people because you have not kept the Lord's command. Would you pray with me, please? Lord, this is a very, very important message. It's burning on your heart. It's burning on my heart. Hide me behind the cross so we can hear what the Spirit is saying to the church. Lord, we'll give you all the glory for every good thing that happens. In Jesus' name, and everybody said, amen. Amen. You may be seated. So it's called, today's message is called, After God's Heart, Don't Fall Away. Last week we looked at how great Saul's beginning was. He was chosen by a, 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 the word of the Lord through a prophet, and then God gave him several signs that he was indeed called, and then he, he let all Israel know through a, a supernatural selection process that Saul was the man. And then he gave Saul this first victory that was so astonishing that even his enemies knew that Saul was called. How can somebody that starts this well finish so poorly? Saul, we have the, the plan of God for him. I, I wanted to establish you. I wanted your name to be great. It would have lasted forever, but now it will not endure. Saul's life is an absolute tragedy. He goes from um, being this, this great start to becoming uh, oppressed by demons and, and living in jealousy. And he ends up, at the end of his life, he, he commits witchcraft to try to get direction and, and commits suicide, just like Judas. So today we're going to talk about this topic, don't fall away. Point one, it's possible to fall away. I have got friends that I love, that are very smart, that are very theological, and they don't believe people can fall away. Once saved, always saved. Once you're in, you're always in, and nothing to worry about. Um, I, I, I disagree. I, 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 that's a non-essential. I'll give them liberty. But you can fall away. Why do I believe that? Matthew 24, 10. Jesus says, many will fall away and betray one another and hate one another. Friends, this is not a future event that there's going to be this big falling away in the future. This is a present reality of this time. God has so ordained that we would have to choose him in the midst of darkness. The first group chose him in the light, the angels. 
and a third of them fell away. We are going, if, if you get saved, if you stay saved, you're going to have to choose him in the midst of darkness so that when you see him in the light, you will not fall away for all eternity. God never takes free will away for all eternity. But if you choose him now, if you stand by him now, even in the darkness, you will not fall away for all of eternity. So God decided this is how the gospel would be preached. Jesus says this is what it's going to look like. There's going to be false Christs that are going to lead many astray. Why doesn't God step in and stop false Christs and stop false religion? Jesus said, no, that's part of this time. Let them say whatever they say. Let them believe whatever they believe. Jesus believes the truth will rise up. For those that want the truth, that love the truth, they will be able to see what's true and what's false. This is a time of false Christ. Wars and rumors of wars are going to happen. They're happening now. Men are creating violence and death and, and struggles, and this is happening all around us. Jesus said there's going to be natural disasters. It's going to be in the midst of hurricanes and, and uh, earthquakes and th that are going to create famines. And It's going to be a very dark time, and people are going to persecute you and hate you because you believe the gospel, and um, you might have to lose your life. But Jesus says, he who endures to the end shall be saved. If you indeed get saved, you need to stay saved. You need to persevere in your salvation. This is how God has made it, and this is how he wanted it. We can fall away. How does this work? First, um, we are betrothed now but we don't get married until Jesus comes back. We're engaged. This is the engagement period. You, Jesus, Jesus has chosen you. You have chosen him. You are engaged. Betrothal is much stronger than engagement, but you're not married yet. You can still get out of this if you want to. Pastor Tom, didn't Jesus say, I will never leave you or forsake you? Absolutely. But that doesn't mean you can't leave and forsake him. Here's another way to think about it. You have received a gift called eternal life. It's real. It's genuine. Jesus paid for it. It is yours for free. You receive this gift. But God has ordained that that gift still has tags on it, and you get the receipt. So you can take it back whenever you want to. If this gift isn't working for you, if you want to take it back, let's say that it doesn't fit. Let's say that, that eternal life doesn't fit with your lifestyle. And you try it on, and it doesn't fit. Well, oh, praise God. Here's the, the tags are still on. Here's the receipt. I'm going, to go, I'm going to trade this back in. This isn't what I thought it was, so I'm going to take it back in. Why would God do that? Why would God make that a reality? Here's John 15, 6. If you abide in me, or the one who doesn't abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch and dries up, and they gather them and cast them into fire, and they are burned. So this word abide here is a very interesting Greek word. Some of the translations have, say it this way, if, if anyone does not continue in me or remain in me, they will be cut off like a dried branch and thrown in the fire. Those are not, that's an unfortunate translation. The word abide here is the Greek word meno, M-E-N-O, and it is the verb 
Um, it, it is the verb of a noun, mone, M-O-N-E, that's used in the chapter before. Chapter, John, chapter 14, verse 23, Jesus says that the plan of God is for the Father and the Son to come and to make their abode in you, make their home in you. That God wants to be at home in you. He wants to be our home and he wants us to make our home in him. Jesus said that if you abide in me, you make your home in me and my word makes its home in you, you're going to bear much fruit. For apart from me, you can do nothing. So, you accept Christ and now you decide whether you're going to make your home in him or not. Oftentimes up front, people accept the work of Christ. Praise God, forgiveness and eternal life. Jesus died for me. I accept the work of Christ. But they don't accept the person of Christ. Jesus can't come into you as Savior without being Lord as well. He's, he's both. This is not a gift bag that has three different gifts in it. You take one out. Mm, forgiveness. Amazing. Oh, heaven. Amazing. Oh, ooh, I don't like this one. I'm going to keep that one in there. Um, Jesus. Guys, it's one gift. There's only one gift, and it's Jesus. He is forgiveness. He's eternal life. He is Lord and Savior of all. And so, um, but he's going to honor your free will. If this is not what you signed up for and you don't want and it doesn't fit you, if eternal life doesn't fit you and Jesus doesn't fit you, then you can return it. Well, I don't, I don't think I like that. Let me make it really simple for you. Let me make it real simple for you. If you make Jesus your home and you make your home Jesus, then you will go to heaven. Heaven will be your home. And if you choose... And you're going to have plenty of chances to say no if you choose to not make Jesus your home and you don't want his word as your, to be at home in you, then heaven is not going to be your home because you didn't want it to be, because you didn't want Jesus to be your home. You can fall away. So here's the interesting thing about today's message. We don't know the story of the angels. We know from Revelation 12 that a third of the angels fell away. We don't know when they fell away. We, all we know about why, we know that Lucifer fell because of pride. So we know pride was part of it, but we really don't know the story. We don't know how long it took and how, what their process. We, that story is simply an untold story. Judas fell away once again. It's pretty much an untold story. We know he did fall away. We know he committed suicide, but we don't really know the inner workings of his heart and why he fell away. We know that many of the kings started good and then fell away. But once again, we don't know their story. So God puts one guy's story in the Bible. From chapter 1 Samuel 9 to 1 Samuel 31, 22 chapters about one guy. And why is it in there? so that you and I would not fall away. Here's how he fell away. Here's why he fell away. Study it, know it, and make sure it doesn't happen to you. Do you know that you can teach not just through positive examples, but also through negative examples? God has included this man's story for your benefit because he doesn't want you to fall away. 
He doesn't want me to fall away. So let's study it, let's look into it, and let's make sure we don't become Saul. All right, here's, here, here's point two. Why do people fall away? Number one, the fear of man. Saul's eyes are on the people. The people were scattering, the Philistines were gathering, and therefore I forced myself to make this offering instead of waiting for you to come. The Bible says in Proverbs 29, 25, that the fear of man is a snare. The fear of man is a snare, and it dominated Saul's life, and it dominated his religion. Here's 1 Samuel 15, 24 through 31. This is, this is the next time Saul disobeys. Then Saul said to Samuel, I have sinned. I have indeed transgressed the command of the Lord and your words because I feared the people and listened to their voice. Now, therefore, please pardon my sin and return with me that I may worship the Lord. But Samuel said to Saul, I will not return with you, for you have rejected the word of the Lord, and the Lord has rejected you from being king over Israel. As Samuel turned to go, Saul seized the edge of his robe and it tore. So Samuel said to him, the Lord has torn the kingdom of Israel from you today and has given it to your neighbor who is better than you. Also, the glory of Israel will not lie or change his mind, for he is not a man that he should change his mind. Then he said, I have sinned, but please honor me now before the elders of my people and before Israel and go back with me that I may worship the Lord your God. So Samuel went back following Saul, and Saul worshiped the Lord. There was a question that dominated Saul's life. Here's the question. Do you like me? I need you to like me. I need you to think I'm awesome. I need you to think I'm special. Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? Do you like me? I just, I just want to be liked. I want to be honored. I want to be thought of as great. And this controls him. God told him to wipe out the Amalekites, and he went to wipe out the Amalekites, and some of his men said, why would we kill these good, perfectly good sheep and these perfectly good cattle? I mean, these, let's wipe these out, but let's keep these. These are really good, and then we could sacrifice those to the Lord, and that could be tonight's dinner. And, and, and so Saul's like, yeah, that's really a good point, guys. Thanks for saying that. So, yeah, we'll, we'll, we'll wipe out those, but we'll keep the, the, the good ones. And, and then Samuel comes and says, why didn't you obey God? And he says, he says I, I did obey God. I did obey God. We had a great victory over the Amalekites. And he's like, don't tell me you obeyed God. I can hear sheep buying right now. What are sheep on? You're supposed to wipe them off. Oh, those. Yeah, the man wanted that, and the people wanted that, and that's what the people wanted. And I didn't want to disappoint the people, of course. And then Samuel says, you, you, you've sinned against God. And then finally, finally Saul says, yeah, I have sinned. Yeah, I did sin. But watch this. Watch this. When Samuel says that you have sinned and that the Lord has torn the kingdom away from you, notice that he doesn't weep. He doesn't bow down. He says this. Okay, okay, that's fine. 
but please come back with me. Please come back with me and, 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 and honor me before the elders of Israel and before, before all of the people. Please come back. Please come back. Samuel says, you are disgusting. All right. So he goes back. So he goes back. And then it says that Saul worshipped the Lord in front of the people. Look at me. I love God. Look at me. I'm a worshiper. Look at me. I'm all in. Look at me. Look at me. Do you see how godly I am? See how amazing I am? I'm, I'm all in. I'm all in. It's disgusting. It's all about people. It's not about God. It's not about pleasing God. It's not about honoring God. He is caught in the, do you like me? Do you like me? I need you to like me. My identity is in you liking me. I am warning you. Be careful. Be careful. Jesus gives in all three three of the four gospels the parable of the sower. Matthew 13, Mark chapter 4, Luke chapter 8. This is the first group that accept the seed of the word of God. Here's what it says. They are on rocky soil. They spring up all at once, and then they wither and dry up. And Jesus gave the explanation. He said, these are those who receive the word of God with joy, but they have no root in themselves. They have no root. uh, Both Luke and Matthew say root in themselves. They only last a short time, but when trouble or persecution comes, they quickly fall away. They accepted the gift and then they, they give it back. And it's, it's for this reason. They have no root in themselves. So let me help you with this. Let me help you grasp this. You get a sweater for Christmas. You try it on and it fits perfectly. You go in and you look in the mirror and you're like, I love this Sweater, this is going right into my starting lineup. And then, and then you come out, and somebody in your family, somebody that you love, says, oh, that is the most, you look fat in that sweater. That, that is, is this like a bad sweater party? Because that is the ugliest thing I've ever seen. Okay? So if you have no root in yourself, If you have to have their opinion, then you, praise God, the tags are still on this thing. Praise God, uh, the receipt's here. I I can just take this back. Let me tell you something. Eternal life looks really good on you. God made you for eternal life. God, God didn't create you with eternal life. He created you for eternal life. When you come to Christ, you get his life. You get union with him. And it is the, it is the best version of you. But hear me, hear me. People aren't going to like you in this outfit. 
It convicts them that they're not that. It, they're going to say you think you're better than them. They, they miss the old you. I, why can't you do what you used to do? Why can't you be like you used to be? We used to laugh about this and laughed about this. And, and I miss the old you. And they're not going to like it. They're not going to like how you look at it. And you need to decide who you're going to live for. Do you have any root in yourself? Are you going to make a decision about your own life or are you just going to do what everybody else wants to do? Do you, you got to decide. Is this about what mom wants? Is this about what your spouse wants? Is this about what your children want? Is this about what your friends want? Is this about what your boss wants? Is their affirmation the all important thing in your life or is this about what you and what you choose before God? I'll tell you right now, a hundred years from now, it's not going to make one bit of difference what anyone else thought about you. Only God's opinion will matter then. Fear of man. Decide that you are at war against the fear of man. Second reason why Saul fell away. Pride. When Samuel comes looking for him, after the Amalekite victory, he goes to the army and says, where's Saul? And they said, oh, he's, he's out erecting a monument to himself. How many know that's going to be a bad sign for you when you're, you're out making, the prophet comes and you're making a monument to your own honor for your own glory. And so Samuel, Saul finally comes back and Samuel says this, although you were once small in your own eyes, did you not become the head of the tribes of Israel? The Lord anointed you king over Israel. So here's, here's how it goes. Here's, here's, what, here's what Samuel's saying. When, when they drew lots and it was seen that, that Saul was going to be the king of Israel, they're like, and now here he is, Saul. But Saul wasn't there. And they're like, where is he? Where is he? And they found him hiding in the baggage. Because Saul felt like he was the least of the least of the least and that he shouldn't be chosen, he shouldn't be God's person and he just had, he had a healthy humility about him. But now, he's got some victories under his belt and he starts thinking that this is about him. And, and so he makes a monument to his own honor. He, he wants to be the hero of the story. He wants to be the one that is on people's lips. He wants to be. And Samuel's like, dude, the Lord is the one that anointed you. This, none of that you've done is your doing. It's because God is using you. This is about God's honor, God's glory, not yours. You used to be small in your own eyes and now you've been, God's used you a little and you're all puffed up about how important you are, how amazing you are, how gifted you are. Guys, do you see what danger there is? Pride is very dangerous. Now, we need to talk about the manifestation of pride. This is 1 Samuel chapter 18. This is, we will cover all of these chapters, but after David is anointed and David kills Goliath, um, he becomes the general in Saul's army and he wins great victories for Israel, which is wonderful until this happens. 1 Samuel chapter 18. The women sang as they played and said, Saul has slain his thousands and David his ten thousands. Then Saul became very angry 
for this saying displeased him. And he said, they have ascribed to David ten thousands, but to me they have ascribed thousands. Now what more can he have but the kingdom? Saul looked at David with suspicion from that day on. And it came about on the next day that an evil spirit from God came mightily upon Saul. And he raved in the midst of the house while David was playing the harp with his hand, as usual. And a spear was in Saul's hand. Saul hurled the spear, for he thought, I will pin David to the wall. But David escaped from his presence twice. What happens from this point for the rest of Saul's life? It's one of the saddest stories. Saul cannot bear not being the best, not being the first, not being the one that is seen as being the most powerful, the most anointed, the most beautiful, the most handsome, the most smart, the most... If I can't be that, then I will cut down everybody that tries to rise up. I will gossip about them. I will, in, in his case, he takes a spear and tries to kill him. I am living for my own pride, my own place, and I'm going to cut down anybody that threatens it. So here's the rest of his life. The rest of his life, he's chasing David. The rest of the life, he's trying to kill David. The rest of his life, he can't be happy unless somebody else goes lower than him. Because I have to have, I, I resent anybody that has a bigger house, a newer car, uh, a better grill. Uh, I, I, pride is never happy unless it stacks up higher than somebody else. And it makes you absolutely miserable. It makes you, you can't enjoy anything because somebody else... Guys, David was a hero in the kingdom. This is Saul's kingdom. He's still in charge. David has killed these enemies for Saul. Saul can prosper. The whole kingdom of Israel can be better because of David. If Saul can just encourage him and love him and cheer for him and say, yeah, isn't God amazing how he's anointed David? Look at how great David is. Isn't that awesome? And we all win. And he goes to bed at night and has peace. But he can't bear. Somebody else is better. Somebody else is first. Somebody else has more money. Somebody else has more gifts. Somebody else is more handsome. Somebody else is uh, getting more recognition from the pastor. And so he lets that darkness take a hold of him. He lets that suspicion take a hold of him. And pretty soon, it's inevitable, a demon is going to latch on that thing. And his whole life, he can't rest. His whole life, he can't be happy. What a sad, sad story. Here's the problem. It's not just Saul's story. It's actually the story of most Americans today. Out there working to get things they can't afford to please people they don't even like. Just so I can feel like I'm somebody because I need you to validate me. I need you to think I'm great. I don't even need to be great. I just want you to think I'm great. And I'll do anything to climb the ladder. It's, it's destroying people's lives. Now, <laughs> I, wish, I wish it was just America. But a lot of the church is doing the exact same thing. 
live in the exact same way. Guys, let's get ourselves out of the middle. God loves you. You're a delight to him. Stay in your lane and stop judging people that are doing something different, doing something better, doing something farther. You don't even know what better or farther is. Only God does. All right, let's move on. Pride. Third reason, and this is actually the main reason that he fell away. God says, I'm going to look for somebody that's after my own heart. He simply wasn't after God's heart. And I'm going to say it this way. He didn't make his home in God. Even in this text, the reason why he sacrifices is because he wants God's favor. Listen, there's something different between wanting God's blessing and wanting God's favor and wanting God himself. And until you want God himself, you are in great jeopardy. He didn't make his home in God. Look at 1 Chronicles 13.3. This is David speaking at the beginning of his ministry. Let us bring the ark of our God back to us, for we did not inquire of it during the reign of Saul. The ark was where God's manifest glory rested. Saul, his whole ministry was 40 years and he never bothered to restore the ark sat in somebody's home. He never bothered to make it the centerpiece. Why? He didn't want God's presence. He just wanted God's blessing. You and I need to choose the presence of God. Jesus said, if you abide in me, if you make your home in me, in my presence, you have to make that choice. God will never force his presence on you. It's too valuable to him. You're going to have to want it. You're going to, God, there's no command to Saul that says, bring the ark in. Make the ark the centerpiece. There is no command. God won't command it. He'll just invite. The ark of God went neglected. The presence of God went neglected. Secondly, the word of God wasn't at home in Saul. Jesus says, if you make your home in me, in my presence, and my word is at home in you, then you will bring forth much fruit and you will ask whatever you wish and it will be done. But if you don't make your home in me, in my presence, and my word have its home in you, then you're going to be, you're going to be cut off. Saul always had his own opinion of how things should be done. I waited. I waited for you, God. And then I saw that you weren't going to come through, so I did it myself. And Samuel, just when he, forces, when he makes the sacrifice, Samuel shows up. God doesn't come early, but he, he, will never, he will never be late. He might be late in your estimation. I think God's late. I think it's time for me to take over. But in his, no, he's the God of resurrection. God is clearly too late because this died. It, no, it's too late for you, but God can resurrect the dead. Go and kill the Mal Malachites, a clear word of God. 
no, I don't think so. I'll just, I'll just do what I think is good and I'll leave those that, and I've got my own opinion of how I'm going to do that. The word of God was never at home in him. So my question for you is this, is the word of God at home in you? Let me help you with this. If somebody comes to your house as a guest, how rude would it be for them to say, I don't like those paintings. How rude would it be for them to say, are you kidding me with this furniture? This does not match the carpet. Have you even opened your eyes? This, this looks, no, that, they're your guests. They, they don't have any right over how the house looks. But it's completely different if it's going to be their home. If it's going to be their home, then they have authority over what it's going to look like. So the word of God comes to your house. You say, Jesus, I, I want you. I want you. Not just your work, but I want you who you are. Come and be at home in me. Okay. Jesus is like, all right, you're accepting me. I will come into the home. I will make you my home, and I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to let my word be at home in you. Okay. Number one, uh, there's stains on this carpet. I see stains of hatred. I see stains of grudges. I see stains of hidden bitterness. I want to pull this out and I want to get new carpet. Lord, uh, that's my identity. I've been in those pains. I've held those a long time. That's part of my story. It would be unjust for me to change this carpet. You know what Jesus is going to say to that? Nothing. They're just, okay. But then you want to fellowship with him. You try to fellowship with Jesus. You know what he's going to say? Yeah, about that carpet. That carpet's got to go. And people struggle, and they wrestle, and they struggle, and they wrestle, and finally, all right, all right. Get new carpet. Forgive that person. All right, did it. And the Lord's like, and she, finally, we're, Jesus is at home now, and he got his way. And then he says, I don't like those paintings. They're creating lust in your heart. Lord, you know I love those paintings. Lord, you, I don't lust. Those aren't lust. Those are just beautiful women. Uh, uh, Lord says, I, wa I want those gone. I've got some other paintings I want to put up, but I want those gone. And you wrestle with them, and finally, all right, paintings go. I want to take down the wall. You, got, you built so many walls in this place. You can fit four people in your dining room, and I want to have a bunch of people over. So let's pray. I, I'm just envisioning, let's break these walls down, and let's open this thing up, because there are lots of, I, I, I can see us having your neighbors over. I can see you hosting Thanksgiving for the family. It's like, really, Lord? I don't envision that. I don't envision any of that. And I've got some identity in these walls. I put these walls up, and the Lord says, yeah, I know. I saw you put them up. Yeah, I, I'm, I love people more than you do. But you're going to learn. You're going to learn to love them the way I love them. So I want these walls down. And he just waits. No, no. Leaving it how it is. I think it's fine. I think it's fine. But Jesus, I still love you, and you're still here, and I still worship you. And, but then you press in to, to talk to him, and he's like, about those walls. About the neighbors. I want to have the neighbors over. Oh, all right. Take the walls. And then, 
he says, and about that, about that closet, that darkest room that's got the deepest hurts, the deepest shame, the deepest part of your identity that no one, no one knows about. You've been very, very careful to manage that. That if anybody comes over, they never, ever go into that closet. Jesus says, I want to clean that closet. Oh God, please no. To just open the door is going to create waves of pain and fear in me. And Jesus said, no, this is part of having me at home, my word at home. So, to, to take Jesus as he is, you, you have to let him be at home. You have to let his word be at home. And, um, and I honestly, I think people are very sincere when they say, Jesus, whatever you want to do, do it. Do it, I love you. I love you. Do whatever you want to do. I think people are very sincere. Very much like I was sincere when we came to our first apartment. We, we've got this one-bedroom apartment, and I, will, I remember the, the picture of, the, of what happened. So we've got all of our boxes are all lined up. It's Alice and I, and I announced to her that this is her space, and I want her to be at home, and she doesn't need to worry about me. I'll just go with whatever she does. So take, we had a, we had a stack of pictures that had to be put up. I said, this is about you. Put these up wherever you want to. So she puts up the first painting on the dining room wall. And here's my response. Not there. <laughs> not there. Any, anywhere, but not there. But I like it there. And, it, and I'm like, honey, we're both here, and I can't have it there. That's just, but seriously, this is your spot, but I just don't want it there. It can go somewhere else. And then I've got suggestions. So this is us with the Lord. And the Lord's very patient with us. But this is why Jesus said, some bear fruit 30, 60, and 100 fold. And you say, well, that doesn't seem right. Why do does, why does some Christians get to bear fruit 100 fold and others only 60 and others 30? That seems mean. No, no, no. No, they're the ones that cho choose how much fruit they're going to have. Because you decide how stubborn you're going to be when God changes you. <laughs> yeah, this thing can go as quickly as you want it to. It could take forever. If you're going to fight God on every little thing, if you're going to fight him over your money, fight him over your lust, fight him over your forgiveness, fight him over your sexual identity, if you're going to fight with him on everything, then it's going to take a really long time. But he's got a long time. He'll, he'll, he, he loves you. He'll stay with you as long as you want to be at home with him. But sometimes people, they realize, I don't, it's really irritating having Jesus living with me. It's like he has an opinion about everything. <laughs> and so some people with integrity say this doesn't fit. The Christian life does not fit me. I, I really don't want this. I don't want to serve. I want to be served. I don't want to be ruled. I want to rule. I want to be my own Lord. And so they, they forsake Jesus. They, they reject Christianity, and I'm going to be a, a Buddhist or a Hindu so that I can just do whatever I want to, or I'll be an atheist, or I'll be whatever. But, but there's, there's a certain amount of integrity in just rejecting what is being offered and saying, I'm going away from that. There's another group, and this is the one that I worry about the most. This is the group 
that wants to hold on to what Jesus is offering but reject Jesus. And so what they do is they go into something called deception. I am going to change Christianity. I'm going to make a Christianity and I'm going to create a Jesus that will accommodate my lifestyle. Instead of me changing to follow him, he needs to change to live in me. And I'm going to have my own little Jesus, my own little Christianity, and it's going to work the way I want it to work. This is called deception. It's everywhere in America today. Now let, let me show you why, what the end of deception is. It terrifies me. This is Matthew. Actually, we might not have it. Matthew 7, 21 through 23. I'll just read it to you. Many will say to me on that day, Lord, Lord. They still think he's their Lord. Did we not prophesy in your name and in your name cast out demons and in your name perform many miracles? They have experienced the presence of God. They've got tangible experience with God. And then I will declare to them, Jesus says, I never knew you. The word knew there is the word for intimacy. You never made your home in me. And then he says why they didn't. Depart from me, you who practice lawlessness. My word had no place in you. You wanted to do your own thing in your own way, and you created a religion of deception. And now you, you are lost, and it's, it's, it's bad because you didn't know you were lost. This is the one that terrifies me. So I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to bring the worship team up as I give you my last point, addressing three fears. Here are three fears that human beings deal with. Number one, Pastor Tom, if it's true that you can fall away, then I'm very worried that I will fall away. <laughs> what is going to keep me? I know me. I know the devil is dark and deceptive. I know I'm prone to sin. I am afraid that I am going to fall away. Let me address that fear in a couple of ways. One, God loves you. Jesus died for you, and it's his purpose to save you. That's one. And two, have you ever thought about cutting the tags off and burning up the receipt so you can't take it back? How would I do that? Become a disciple. Jesus says, if you want to follow me, then do this. Deny yourself and take up your cross and follow me. For whoever tries to save his life is going to lose it, but whoever loses his life for my sake is going to find it. What this involves is simply deciding now that you don't have to be the hero of your life, that Jesus is the hero. And that I'm not going to live my life trying to hold on and protect my image and what everybody thinks of me, and I, and I just lose that. I just say, my life's not going to be about me. It's going to be about Jesus. I'm going, to be a, I'm, going to, I'm going to promote Jesus. My life's going to be about union with Jesus. I'm cutting the tags off. I'm burning up the receipt. There's nothing that can happen to me that's going to make me fall away because I'm all in. I'm all in. If I get killed, great. If I get persecuted, fine. If things don't go my way, fine. It wasn't about me. It was about Jesus. 
And Jesus, you can be glorified in this, and you can be glorified in this, and you can be glorified in this. And so Jesus, my life is about you. It's called cutting the tags off, burning the receipt. I have decided I will follow Jesus. Though none go with me, makes no difference to me. I am all in. He is worthy of that. Second fear, that I have caused people around me to fall away. <laughs> uh, I've, if I'd been a better parent, my children wouldn't have fallen away. If I'd been a better friend, my friends wouldn't have fallen away. If I'd been a better Christian, the people in my small group wouldn't have fallen away. You know what, guys? If you could have kept somebody from falling away, then you would have to take credit for them being saved. You don't get the credit or the blame. Here's the problem. They're, they're free. They're free. I've seen people that have had horrible parents, alcoholic parents, become the best Christians. Why? Because they're free. God speaks to them, and they decide, I'm not going to be like my parents. So maybe God's using you as a negative example of how not to be. <laughs> the point is this. It's not on you that somebody else fell away. It's on them. So stop beating yourself up that other people have free will. They have free will. Get over it. God's honoring their free will. Why don't you honor their free will? Okay, here's number three. That those who have fallen away will be lost. Okay? I don't know if you've ever noticed this, but the story of the prodigal son is not about somebody that's lost. It's somebody that's fell away. It, su- it starts with somebody that's at home, knows the father's home, knows the father's love, and then decides, I don't want this. I- give me, give me, give me. I want my own life. This doesn't fit for me. I'm taking this back. I'm throwing this away. I'm going to go out there. I'm going to do my own thing. And they go out into the world. Well, here's the hope for those who have fallen away. The world is a horrible home. <laughs> The world is filled with disappointment, filled with delusions. It promises many things that it doesn't deliver. And so at some point they can say, you know what? This is, I'm not having fun anymore. Maybe, I, maybe it was better back with Jesus. Maybe I need to return home. And here's what I found. A, when, God hasn't given up on anybody. God's looking at them when they're far away from him. And his heart is this. They just need to come home. They just need to wake up. God will help them. Show them how horrible the home is, the world is. You got these friends. They spend all your money. Then they leave you when you run out of money. I mean, it's just bad. Here's what I found. When people come back to Christ, because many, many here, you fell away at one point. You're back. People that come back to Christ, they're the best Christians. <laughs> Because they're like, oh boy, I, I know what the world has and I never want to go back there again. This is the greatest deal in the history of mankind. Are you kidding me? Fattened calf, ring on my finger, white robes. Are you kidding me? Are you kidding me? How did I ever leave this to start with? This is my home and it will be my home forever. And so don't, there's, it's not like they're going to find something else out there that's way better than this. No, they're going to find something that's heartbreaking and disappointing, and God is still speaking. Come home. Come home. Could we stand together, do this song, and I'll come up with a final prayer.
So Father, right now I want to pray for everybody that maybe they thought they couldn't come back. And Lord, you've been looking for them, you've been waiting for them, and Lord, right now they're coming back. Here in the building and online, just say it, Jesus, I'm coming back. I'm coming back to you right now. I'm coming back to you. I'm so sorry I left. I'm so sorry I've done my own thing, gone my own way. Lord, I'm coming back home today. And then there's this other group, this bigger group, that just slightly over time, American culture and American Christian culture, you've kind of changed the gospel to accommodate for your lifestyle. And you just, you're horrified right now. <laughs> I don't want, I don't want to change the gospel. If, I'm, if, I'm, if I want to struggle with what's right and wrong, with God, that's fine. But don't change it. God, I don't want to be deceived. I don't want to be deceived. I want to love the truth. Even if the truth makes me guilty. I want to love the truth. And Father, for those that have just stubbornly kept you out of room, stubbornly, they've held on to their Christianity, but they've just, I don't want to give up this carpet. I don't want to let go of that. I don't want you to go into that shame. Lord, we're just done fighting you. Come, be at, be at home, Jesus. Be at home. Go into every closet. Break down every wall. Take down every picture. You do, this is your home, Jesus. And we're tired of fighting. We want union with God. We want union with God. We choose you, Jesus. We choose your presence. Be, we make our home in you. And Lord, let your word make its home in me. So if you need to figuratively burn the receipt right now, you need to cut off the tags and just say, I'm in till the end, do it. <laughs> Finally found where I belong. Found where I belong. Finally found where I belong. In your presence. Finally found where I belong. It's to be with you. So let me say this in closing. Eternal life looks really good on you. Jesus looks really good on you. This, I really like this version of you. Stay with it. <laughs> Woo! All right, guys. We are still in the midst of COVID, so we're going to open up all these doors. We want you to exit quickly, to not congregate, um, chat and pray with each other outside. God bless you and have a great day.